morning and welcome to worship. Welcome to Ivan Rest Church this morning. Together we have the privilege to share in that hope together, the hope of Jesus Christ. Today we gather to worship the eternal God, the source of love and life who creates us. We worship Jesus Christ, the risen one who lives among us. And we worship the Holy Spirit who renews us day by day. And the Spirit has led us to worship this morning, whether that is in this building or over live stream. He has led us to be his church and to work for his kingdom. And as we gather in the presence of our God, he welcomes us with his love. And so as God welcomes us, will you take this time to stand and welcome one another by waving or a friendly hello? the power of sin and darkness, whose love is mighty and so much stronger, the King of glory, the King above all kings, who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder, the King of glory, the King above you've done for me. Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The King of glory, the King of glory, who rules the nations with truth and justice. Shines like the sun in all of its brilliance, the King of glory, the King above all things. This is amazing grace, this is unfailing love, that you would take my place, that you would bear my for all that you've done for me. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love that you would take my place, that you would bear my 
Jeremiah 22, verse 3 says, This is what the Lord says. Do what is just and right. Rescue from the hand of the oppressor the one who has been robbed. Do no wrong or violence to the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow. And do not shed innocent blood in this place. Throughout the biblical narrative, the God of justice lays out how all humans are to be treated with dignity and fairness. However, there are countless examples throughout the Bible and in today's time when we as God's people do not always do this. Far too often, we seek our own good above the good of others. And far too often, we seek our own good at the expense of others. Actively, passively, or unintentionally, we all participate in injustice. God's response to this injustice, both for the oppressors and the oppressed, is Jesus. He is the righteous one who offered himself to the guilty, giving freedom, grace, and hope. So if we, if we have the good news of Jesus Christ... And we are to share that with others. And we can do this by stepping up for the voiceless and the powerless and the oppressed. We can make their problems our own. And that's exactly what Jesus calls us to do. To love our neighbor as ourselves. In the Old Testament, God spoke through the prophet Amos to call out the injustice that was happening. In Amos 5.24 says, Let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. So this morning, as we continue to contemplate how God calls us to be justice seekers, listen to this song based off of that verse in Amos.
desert becomes like the garden of Eden, where the nations will come and be healed, and the glory of God is revealed. Love one another and learn to forgive. Walk in His marvelous of God as you live, blameless and pure in His sight. Let justice roll down like a mighty river. Let righteousness flow on and on till the desert becomes like the garden of Eden where the nations will come and be healed and the glory of God Father in you, open your ears to the cries of the lost, then God will listen to you, let justice roll down like a mighty river, let righteousness flow on and on, till the desert becomes like the garden of Eden, where the nations will come. And the glory of God is revealed. Let justice roll down like a mighty river. Let righteousness flow on and on. Till the desert becomes like the garden of Eden. Where the nations will come and be healed. And the glory of God is revealed. quick announcement of praise and celebration. Uh, Marion Naderveld has been uh, diagnosed with COVID a couple weeks ago. Um, and as of late, uh, she is improving. Her cough is getting better and her humor is coming back. Um, so praise for her recovery uh, and a continued reminder to pray for those especially vulnerable in this time. Shall we pray? Creator God, we are so thankful for what you have given us in creation and the beauty that is reflected in creation of who you are. And we are grateful. And we are reminded that you are God. Thank you, God, for the beauty of summer, the possibilities of seasons, and your faithfulness through all of it. Father, your intention at creation was for things to flourish and to thrive, for right relationships to be had and to be found. And yet, the devastating effects of sin changed so much of that. 
Father, as we listen this morning, we are so humbled to hear the words that actively, passively, or intentionally, we often put our own good in front of others. And sometimes, God, we even stand in judgment of others, not even knowing their whole story. God, forgive us for that. We have Jesus as our example. He went out of his way to intentionally help those in the margins. He not only healed, but he restored their place in society. Whether they were an outcast, the blind, the poor, the leper, the prostitutes, the Gentiles, the orphans, the children, the widows, and the oppressed. God, you've always been on the side of the oppressed. And Jesus gave us that example. But God, sometimes it's so overwhelming. There's so much in our world that is going on. There's so much injustice we see or would prefer not to see. What do we do? What can we do? Because sometimes, honestly, we are just done hearing about it. And so, God, um, we come to you today, together as your community, reminding us to look at our reaction, to sit with it and be reminded that too often we just resort to guilt, which makes us feel worse and causes us not to do anything or to say anything. Father, this world is broken and you invite us as your children to enter into it. And you give us the example of the Good Samaritan. It was just one man passing by another. It was just one person along the side of the world. God, help us to pay attention to you and what you are asking us to do. We each will have different places and spaces that you call us, and yet, God, we are part of a nation that needs us to speak and to challenge. We are part of a world that has huge, incredible issues, and you've given us desires in our heart to pay attention to those things of injustice. Father, you invite us because you also know that when we enter into injustice and to bringing about restored relationships or right things or opening up channels for flourishing for the oppressed or take down walls of things that just are not right or systems that are not working or patterns that get repeated over and over and over again. Father, you invite us to confront injustice and you say, to us, do what is just and right, because it's restorative, it's redeeming, it's how our God works, even in amidst this world, not waiting until heaven, but seeing bits of heaven here on earth. Father, find us faithful in lifting up the issues of injustice. Do not let us hesitate to enter in. Father, forgive us when we've let different perspectives of politics take over. Help us not to see the oppressed on one side or the other, 
but help us whether whatever side we come from to follow Jesus' example in this world and in our country. Father, we come before you with requests for our own family too here at Ivan Rest. We've been apart for a long time. Father, we pray that um, you may do your work in us too, that you are at work and that you invite us to pay attention to what that work is. And we ask God that you be with us as we pray over and search and talk and listen to what is next for us and the leadership at Ivanrest. We are so grateful for the work of the search team and all the hours they are putting in, talking and listening. And Father, we just pray in Jesus' name that you select this person. You select the leader you want to help lead and guide us, but that we also, God, are found faithful in following you, whatever that means. Father, we also think of school approaching and we lift up our teachers and our parents and the students. It's different this year. For some, it's been lots of hard work. For some, it's been sleepless nights. For some, they don't even know how they're going to navigate the school year with other things that are going on. And so, God, we just lift that all up to you and reminded, Father, to put it all before you. God, you are so much greater than the struggles and concerns of this world, and yet you understand them all because you entered into them as Jesus. And Father, we continue to pray for Carl and his family. It's so difficult to lose something so precious and someone so precious. And we lift up all of our families, Father, who are grieving today, whether it be last week, last month, last year, five years or 10 years, there's still a missing piece to their family. Help us to be a faithful community and walking alongside of them. Father, we pray for those who are struggling with loneliness and depression and so many things that this reality causes us today. And we are so thankful, God, you've given us technology and other ways to connect. And we pray that you find us faithful in showing love and affection in new and different ways of picking up the phone, of showing up at somebody's doorstep, of sitting outside for a cup of coffee. Help us to show your love and your relationship in our own, God. And Father, as we enter into this time of learning and listening to your word and the words that Joel brings from you, we thank you for your promises of your never-ending promises, that you redeem the good, that you take all the injustice and will eventually someday redeem it all and restore it all. And until that day, God, find us faithful. In thy name we pray. Amen. This morning's reading is Psalm 28. To you, O Lord, I call, my rock, be not deaf to me, lest, if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy, when I cry to you for help, when I lift my hands to your most holy sanctuary. Do not drag me off with the wicked, with the workers of evil, 
who speak peace with their neighbors while evil is in their hearts. Give to them according to their work and according to the evil of their deeds. Give to them according to the work of their hands. Render them their due reward. Because they do not regard the works of the Lord or the works of his hands, he will tear them down and build them up no more. Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exalts, and with my song I give thanks to him. The Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. O oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. In the moment of prayer for God's blessing as we approach his word and use a couple of verses from that psalm as that prayer. To you, O Lord, I call. You are my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me. Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help. As I lift up my hands toward your most holy place. Amen. And in preparation for hearing the text from the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, a word to all God's children and to ours. A word, really words, about words from a book of words, a dictionary. It looks in some ways like every other book, and it's full of words like most books, but the words are just in a list. It doesn't tell a story. It helps us know how to understand a story. We can find interesting things in this book of words. I learned, for instance, a new word, at least new to me, factotum. Never knew that word before. It's someone who knows how to do lots of different things. A handyman is a factotum. I learned the word, I learned the meaning, I learned the spelling, F-A-C-T-O-T. U-M, and if I didn't know how to say it, I could learn the pronunciation from a dictionary. The dictionary is our book of words. All the words we really need are probably in the dictionary. But you can take words out of the dictionary and misuse them. Words can be used and put together to help people, to heal people, to encourage people, to help people rejoice and be glad and feel good, and they can be used to beat people up and hurt people and offend people. And David wrote a psalm, the 19th, in which he remembered that and said, Lord, 
will you bless the words of my mouth? That is essentially the truth that is before us this morning. That is essentially the truth in this beatitude. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Two friends went for a walk in the desert. And along the way, they talked and conversed about a variety of things. And as they walked, they found something they disagreed about. Disagreed about so violently that one of the friends slapped the other across the face. And it hurt. It hurt physically, but it hurt emotionally as well. And the friend who was hit said nothing, but simply knelt down in the sand and wrote with his finger, today, my best friend slapped my face. And then he got up, and they went on with their walk. They got over their disagreement. They came to an oasis and were delighted at the prospect of cooling off. They even found a pool of water in the oasis and decided to bathe in it. And when the friend who had been slapped earlier in the day stepped into the pool, he went right down into the bottom of it, which was all miry and gooey, up to his neck. And the more he tried to get out of it, the deeper his feet went into it. And the friend who had slapped him earlier in the day grabbed him and pulled him out and saved his life. When the friend had recovered a little from his brush with death, he went around that oasis and found a rock and engraved in the rock the words, today, my best friend saved my life. A little later, his best friend, who had both slapped and saved him, said, when I slapped your face, you wrote it in the sand. When I saved your life, you engraved it on a stone. Why? And the other friend replied, when somebody hurts us, we should write it in the sand where the winds of forgiveness blow it away. When somebody does something good, we should engrave it in stone where no wind will ever make it disappear. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. The message puts it a little differently, but perhaps even more accurately. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, with two L's, you find yourself cared for. You might say that this fifth beatitude finds us on the, the road to sanctification. James Boyce remarked, for it is true that the first three beatitudes show how a person must stand in his relation as a sinner to God. Spiritually bankrupt, sorry for sin, meekly humble, and if it is true that the fourth beatitude contains the promise of God's provision of righteousness for the person who so comes to God, 
then it is logical to expect that the remaining Beatitudes reveal the transformed character of the one who has now been touched by Christ's spirit and is progressively being remade in Christ's image. So you could hear the Beatitudes this way, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will all certainly also be merciful. Blessed are the merciful. What's mercy? What does it mean to be merciful? William Shakespeare had Portia describe mercy this way in The Merchant of Venice. The quality of mercy is not strained. It droppeth as the gentle rain from heaven upon the place beneath. It is twice blessed. It blesses him that gives and him that takes. Tis mightiest in the mightiest. It becomes the throned monarch better than his crown. Mercy. The ancient people decided to attach every human emotion to a different internal organ in the human body. And interestingly enough, they attached mercy to the intestines. Not to insult mercy, not to belittle it, not to denigrate it, but to say mercy, when it's real, comes from the deepest part of who you are. When Paul wrote the familiar words to the Colossians, clothe yourselves with compassion, literally, he said, put on bowels of mercy. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed, happy, are those who put on bowels of mercies. While that picture may not be exactly the way we would choose to describe it, it says something about the depth and the intensity of what mercy ought to be. You see, mercy is not just feeling sorry for somebody. It is doing your level best to get inside somebody. To see what he sees. To hear what she hears. To think the way they think. You know as well as I do that we don't have any trouble getting under one another's skin. But mercy requires we get inside one another's skin. And when there, to say, I'm here. I care. I listen. I understand. I forgive. There was a 19th century person who happened upon a friend of his who had been riding his horse from one place to another, and due to a tragic accident, the horse was killed. Now, there was a group of people standing around the rider who was uninjured and the horse who was no longer living, commiserating with the man for having lost his means of transportation and a valuable animal. The friend who happened by stepped up and said to the crowd, 
I'm sorry, $10. How sorry are you? And he passed his hat. Because mercy acts. Perhaps it would be most helpful to talk about what it is that mercy does and not just what mercy is. Because in a very real and significant way, mercy is what mercy does. And mercy is, first of all, compassion. Compassion is a word that really means literally to stand beside someone in their suffering. To be there for that person, to feel what that person feels as much as possible. And it's very important to understand this because I think you'll realize, as I did when I was thinking about this this week, that much of what I do in the name of mercy, I do to make me feel better. So I talk because I can't stand long silences. And I try to do things to fix things for people because it would make me feel better if this thing, whatever it is, got fixed. When Jesus went to Bethany and stayed with Mary and Martha, it was only days before his crucifixion. Imagine what that felt like. Imagine the pain and the agony and the anguish. Jesus needed a place to be away, to to just be quiet, to rest. A place of understanding. And Mary sat down at his feet and listened. Martha, on the other hand, was busy and bustling around in the kitchen and other places to get a dinner ready and, and to have a feast with Jesus. And Luke says she was distracted. She even complained to Jesus that Mary wasn't helping much, just sitting there listening to him. And she wanted Mary to come and help her, in effect, so both of them could ignore Jesus. Who was merciful? Mercy is compassion for another person. It is feeling not just for that person, but with that person. Think about that. The next time you go to visit someone in the hospital. The next time you stand in line at a funeral home. Even the next time you're just sitting with someone in their living room or in their office. And there are too many illustrations to even mention them in particular going on during this season of COVID with limited patience and multiplying anger and frustration and dissatisfaction and we lose understanding of one another and ourselves and this is the place and the time and the circumstance for compassion. Mercy is also forgiveness. And it is forgive, uh, forgiveness for two reasons. Because the merciful are those who understand what it means to need to be forgiven. And the merciful are also those who understand what it feels like to be forgiven. The merciful know that there's almost always a reason, not an excuse, but a reason 
behind what another person says or does or how another person acts. The merciful remember that worry can make people irritable. The merciful remember that fear can make a person irrational. The merciful understand that guilt can make a person defensive. The merciful understand that tension can make a person discourteous. And the merciful say, I know what it feels like to be where you are and to be in need of forgiveness. I know what it feels like to have hurt other people the way you have just hurt me. And because I know that, I know what it's like to be in need of forgiveness. And I'll forgive you. Mercy wells up inside a person who also knows what it's like to actually be forgiven. Because the merciful have heard and felt the miracle in three little words, I forgive you. They have heard those words, and they have heard them, best of all, from God himself. And the merciful believe that if God can forgive them, then surely they can forgive another. And mercy is tolerance, which is really a combination of compassion and forgiveness. Merciful people can be tolerant because they've been tolerated. The merciful remember that they have been hurtful and insensitive and cold, and unkind, and selfish, and self-centered. And the merciful say, if God could tolerate me, then surely I can make a better effort at tolerating you. Mercy is feeling for, and feeling with another. Compassion, and forgiveness, and tolerance are just some of the faces of mercy. And the merciful are truly blessed. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you'll find yourselves cared for. The promise given in this beatitude is the very mercy that is expected from you. It's the only beatitude that is phrased that way. And it is phrased that way because what you are is what you get. Isn't that a a kind of contradiction of what I have just said? That we can be merciful because God has been merciful to us. While that's true, mercy is a, a circle and not a line. It's not one thing and then another thing and then another thing and then another thing. It goes round and round and round. God gives us mercy so we can give others mercy. And when we give others mercy, we find mercy ourselves. Luke's version of this beatitude is helpful. He says, be merciful just as your father is merciful. So we are called by God in this beatitude to look at the father's mercy. And we see it best in the face of Christ. The world into which Christ came was a world that believed in a God, usually gods, but the gods they believed in 
were largely unfeeling. One Greek wrote, never God and man can meet. A stone will hear me more easily than Jupiter. And another wrote, he who involves God in human needs does not spare his majesty, nor does he maintain the dignity and greatness of God's excellence. He's just too big and too much better and too other than for us to ever get near him. And into that world, Christ came. Emmanuel, God with us. Not getting under our skin, but inside our skin. Not sparing his majesty, not maintaining his dignity, not considering equality with God of all things something to hang on to. That's the face to see, to look at, the face of mercy in Christ, who sympathized with those who had lost loved ones to death, who was moved by the hunger and pain of the world, who cared about the lepers and the poor and the unwanted and the ignored. Eusebius was an early Christian historian who described Jesus this way. He was like some excellent physician who, in order to cure the sick, examines what is repulsive, handles sores, and reaps pain himself from the sufferings of others. That's what God has done for us in Christ. That's mercy. And when we know, when we experience what God has done for us in Christ, we know what mercy feels like. And when we know what mercy feels like, we feel like being merciful. Here's how William Barclay paraphrased that beatitude. Oh, the bliss of the one who gets right inside other people until he can see with their eyes, think with their thoughts, feel with their feelings, for he does not, he who does that will find others do the same for him. And he will know that that is what God in Jesus Christ has done for him. The Stoic philosophers used to urge the Greeks to become more like the gods. Sounds like not bad advice. Except that for the Greeks, the essence of being one of the gods was to have no feeling at all. And that would be bliss for humanity, they thought, if you could get beyond caring. One of them said, this should be our study from morning to night, beginning from the least to the greatest of things. From an earthen vessel, from a glass, afterwards proceed to a suit of clothes, a dog, a horse, an estate, from then to yourself, body, parts of the body, children, wife, brothers, lose anything, see your nearest and dearest die, and say, it doesn't matter. I don't care. The utter opposite of mercy. The utter opposite of God. God, the God is, Paul said, rich in mercy. 
He watched his nearest and dearest die because he cared that much for us. The cross is God saying, I care this much. And the empty tomb is God saying through Christ, now you can care that way too. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Let's pray. Oh God, thank you for your mercy to us in Christ. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your compassion. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your tolerance. Thank you for transforming us through your mercy. Now help us to be merciful. And not only to make life easier for others, but to help others see and experience what life in Christ is really like. This is our prayer, and we offer it to you in Jesus' name. Amen.